This is the fourth edition of TNA Impact Wrestling Analysis. My name is Levi D. Smith, and I'm coming to you from the Knoxville, Tennessee area. Welcome, everyone. Wanted to let everyone know that I created a new Twitter account for this podcast. You can find it at Podcast TNA on Twitter. So just follow that account and you can get the latest updates for this podcast and when the next episode is going to be available and maybe some other news and things like that. I appreciate everyone listening to this podcast. I checked my web traffic. I think on the last podcast I released, I had 3.8 gigabytes worth of bandwidth used and these podcasts are usually around 30 megs. So yeah, hundreds of people apparently are downloading the podcast. So I appreciate everyone listening. So this week on Impact Wrestling, this was the big It Happens episode of Impact Wrestling. So if you went out on Twitter before the show and checked out Dixie Carter's Twitter account, the at TNA Dixie, you would notice that her picture was gone and it was blanked out. And also you could see Dixie Fierce Bully was in the description. So it was like her Twitter account was hijacked by Bully Ray. So that was kind of a neat touch that plays in with the storyline that's been going on TV. At the start of the show, before it started, there was a parental warning that warned people that there may be uh, upsetting images and things that take place on the show. And I thought this was a good touch. Uh, of course, there was going to be Bully Ray putting Dixie Carter through a table on the show, so a little bit of the male-on-female violence on there, which, from what I've heard, Spike TV usually doesn't like that, but apparently they got the permission to go ahead and go with that. But I think it was good just to let parents know that there would be graphic images on the show, not just Dixie going through the table, but also the eight-man war. It was pretty brutal as well, and also the Abyss uh, Monsters Ball match. So the Monsters Ball match between Abyss and Bram started out the show, and a lot of different weapons in this match. There were chairs, trash cans, kendo sticks, and at one point, Abyss took a cheese grater to Bram and looked very painful. And also, there was a barbed wire board in this match. It's just like a piece of board with barbed wire covered on top of it, and also... Abyss's arm was cut open, wide open in this match, so a lot of blood and violence in this match, but the crowd seemed to love it. There was We Want Blood chants, and they were just going crazy for it. And near the end of the match, Abyss took Bram and choke slammed him right into a big pile of, of thumbtacks. And once Bram got up and rolled over, you could see all those little thousands of thumbtacks just sticking into his back, and some of them were falling out, so you could see the puncture holes in his skin and the blood coming out, so very violent match, and at the end, Abyss, he got uh, speared through the barbed wire board, and also after that, uh, Bram pinned Abyss for the one, two, three, and then after the match, Bram leaves the ring with Janice. So I think there's going to be a little bit more go on between these two. You know Abyss, Janice is his girl, so definitely Abyss will want to get his weapon back from Bram. So it'll be interesting to see where they go, whether this may be a, 
a tag team match between Abyss and another partner to go up, up against Bram and Magnus or how they resolve this conflict. It may be leading up to Bound for Glory when they finally resolve this feud. This was followed by a backstage confrontation between Samoa Joe and Loki. And this was followed by another promo with EC3's hardcore group, uh, Rick Lawn. He took the microphone and he went on about how he was the last ECW champion. And technically, he really was the last ECW, but it wasn't the original ECW. It was the competition's version of ECW that used to show on the Sci-Fi Channel. And on the very last episode of that show... Rick Lawn, then known as Ezekiel Jackson, defeated Christian Cage in, in an Extreme Rules match on February 16th, 2010. So it's been about four years ago when that occurred, but technically Rick Lawn was the last ECW champion. And then Snitsky took the microphone and he used his classic line, It wasn't my fault. And after that, Taz on commentary, he took a few jabs at this group saying, well, yeah, they were in ECW, but it really wasn't the original ECW that everyone came to know and love. This was followed by another in-ring segment. Lashley came to the ring with Kenny King and MVP, and they were all wearing suits. They had ladies on their, on their shoulders, on their arms. And this reminded me a lot of the Four Horsemen back in the late 90s in WCW. And just got the same feel from that. I really loved the Four Horsemen back in the day. So I think they might be trying to uh, reignite some of that. And they were confronted by Bobby Roode. He came to the ring. He confronted Bobby Lashley. And he said he wants a title shot for the World Heavyweight Championship. And... Yeah, Lashley, Kenny King, and MVP, they just didn't want to have anything to do with it, and they jumped Bobby Roode. He started getting beat up, but fortunately, Eric Young and Austin Aries came out for the save, and this will all be leading up to a big six-man tag team match between Lashley, Kenny King, and MVP against Eric Young, Austin Aries, and Bobby Roode. Backstage, we then saw a segment between Mr. Anderson, Gunner, and Samuel Shaw. And Anderson, he just still does not trust Samuel Shaw. Gunner took Samuel Shaw under his wing. He said, well, he may just be having these, uh, he just might not be right in the head. He's seen other people in the Army with PTSD, so... Gunner really thought he could change Samuel Shaw, and it looks like Samuel Shaw is a changed person. He's going around apologizing to people. He isn't being the creep that he was before. So Anderson, though, he just still doesn't trust, trust him. So that led up to a match between the bromans, uh, Jesse Goddard's, Robbie E., and DJ Zima Ion, DJ Z, against Gunner, Anderson, and Samuel Shaw. And it's a really good match. Uh, during the match, Anderson wouldn't tag in Samuel Shaw just because he still doesn't trust him. But eventually Shaw got tagged into the match. He came out on fire, just totally cleaning house, and looks like he was the great teammate on that team, MVP of that team, no pun intended. And at the end, Anderson got back in the ring, and he was being pinned 
But Samuel Shaw just couldn't get in to save him on time. I think he was being held up by one of the bromans. And Anderson just looked at him after he got pinned. He's like, hey, buddy, why didn't you come here and help me out and break up the count? But Samuel Shaw just didn't get back in there in time. And so that just led up to more tension between Mr. Anderson and Samuel Shaw. So we'll see where that goes. Could be seeing Anderson turn heel and Shaw maybe be face. I don't know. Or maybe Shaw goes, goes back to his creepy ways that he was before. And this was followed by the eight-man hardcore war. So the big mystery going into this match is who is the fourth man on the team with Team 3D and Tommy Dreamers. So this match started out with EC3 and Tommy Dreamer in the ring. Additional participants came out in set intervals of about a minute or so. And in this match, any weapon is allowed, no count outs, no disqualifications. So Tommy Dreamer and EC3, they started going at it. Dreamer had a kendo stick in hand, and he came out, grabbed a beer from a fan, just spit the beer in EC3's face, and also he took that kendo stick and did a suplex on EC3, very painful. And also Dreamer took EC3 in the corner on the ring post, started doing the punches to the face, and they had some really nice camera work, because you could see Tommy Dreamer punching on EC3, but you could also see Dixie in the background in the balcony with King Mo, and King Mo was just jawjacking the whole time, and they were going at it. Dreamer said, yeah, Dixie, we're coming for you, and you're going through a table by the end of the night. So Rhino then came out. He had a trash can lid. And Devon, he came out with a trash can. They're all just going at it, beating the heck out of each other. And then Bully Ray, he came out with a chain. And he took that chain, wrapped it around his hand, busted EC3 wide open. And EC3 just had blood all over his face and on his chest. And also Bully Ray had EC3's blood on his face and everywhere else. It was just a really brutal match. And then Ricklon, he came out with a chair and he just started getting in the mix and everybody's just going at it at each other. And then the mystery partner for the team with Team 3D and Tommy Dreamer, he came out and it was Al Snow, one of the original members of ECW. And he came out, he had the mannequin head with him and the crowd just had mannequin heads all over the place, and they were just chanting for head the whole time, waving those mannequin heads, and the crowd was going crazy. And yet, the last time we saw Al Snow, he'd been working as a backstage agent for TNA, and he was also a gut check judge. And last time we actually saw him in a match, it was a couple of years ago, and he was in a feud with Joey Ryan. And... Really interesting near the end of the match, but he came out, he got involved, and he took a kendo stick, tried to beat Tommy Dreamer with it, but and then thought he had Tommy Dreamer down, and he did this classic Tommy Dreamer pose, and he's just showboating there, and then, yeah, Tommy Dreamer just did not face him at all, so he beat up Spud after that. Saw a really incredible move, and there was like four or five guys outside of the ring, and Al Snow... He did an acai moonsault. That was the move that was used by Ultimo Dragon years ago in WCW. So really impressive to see a guy of that size to do 
an acai moonsault to the outside of the ring, and he just wiped out everyone standing outside of the ring. And finally, Team 3D, Bully Ray and Devon, they put the 3D on Rhino, and then they got the 1-2-3 for the win. And after that, Bully Ray, he sees Dixie up in the balcony, and he starts jocking jaws with King Mo, and they're going at it, just doing the verbal taunts at each other. So just building that tension up for it happens at the end of the night. This was followed up by a promo between the beautiful people and Gail Kim was in the ring and Taryn Carell and Gail Kim says that, that she's not going to put the title on the line with the beautiful people, but Angelina Love just declared that she needed another title shot for the knockout championship. So Gail Kim said, well, okay, I will put the title on the line, but it's going to be a match between herself Angelina Love, Taryn Carell, and the final competitor will be Velvet Sky. So it brought up some tensions between Angelina Love and Velvet Sky because Angelina was like, no, nah, I'm the champion here. You're just here as the second, second banana sidekick. So Velvet Sky kind of took offense to that. So there might be some tensions between them. So it'll be interesting to see if the beautiful people, if they may break up or if they're going to work together in this four-way match. And yeah, I really love the beautiful people, but this latest run, they just don't seem to be the same as they were in the past. I really like the beekeeper suits back in the day, skits like that. I like the feud with the governor, who's also known as Daphne. And I like the sorority they had called My Pie Sexy back when Madison Rain was an initiate trying to get into the beautiful people. So I missed those skits, and they did do the bags on the head, so they did bring back some of that flavor of the beautiful people, but I wish they'd go back to the way they were before. And this was followed up by another mysterious promo uh, with the letters that are flashing on the screen. So now we have an H, three mystery letters, and then a K. So if you want to know who this is, listen to the podcast from last week. I go into detail on that person. And there were some more uh, backstage segments with Dixie Carter. King Mo is just like the last line of defense because the team with Al Snow, Team 3D, and Tommy Dreamer, they just took out every single member of the EC3 army. So there's nobody left but King Mo, and Mo promises that he's going to knock Bully Ray out. And this was followed up by the big three-way X-Division match for the X-Division Championship. And first of all, Low-Key was introduced. And if there was one change I would make with the current show, they have Christy Hemme in ring doing the announcements, and you really don't see her anymore. And then they have JB backstage doing the announcements. Well... Christy Hemme is really nice to look at, so I would put her in the backstage segments doing the interview, and Jeremy Borash does really nice ring announcing, so I think they should move him back to doing ring announcing. That's just my opinion. I really miss the days when Jeremy Borash would introduce Loki. He would go, Loki! Just gave it a much more intense feeling to those ring announcements. So this match was filled with X-Division champions. Joe himself, he's a four-time X-Division champion. 
Low-key, also known as Senshi back in the day. He is a two-time X-Division champion, and Sonata was recently crowned X-Division champion for the first time. So, at the start of this match, a really loud chance for Joe. Joe do, does an awesome suicide dive to the outside of the ring. Uh, one really great move, Low-key reverses a muscle buster. That's Samoa Joe's finishing move. He reversed it into a da- dragon sleeper, and that's something I've never seen before. And Sonata, he also uh, puts a suplex on low key, but he reversed it into the warrior's way. That was his move with the double stomp to the chest. And then Sonata does a bridge pin on Samoa Joe, but Samoa Joe was able to re- reverse that move as well into the Kahina clutch. And Sonata just couldn't take it anymore. He tapped out. So Samoa Joe is your new X Division champion for the fifth time. This was followed up by another segment. Dixie Carter came out with the rest of her hardcore team, the rest of EC3's hardcore uh, army there, and they were just beat up. I really liked the selling when they came out, how they'd just been totally wiped out. They were showing how they were weary and beat up from that intense battle earlier in the night. And... Right then, Dixie said to Ricklon and Snitsky, who'd only been in that group for a couple of weeks, that they are now fired from TNA Wrestling. So I don't know if they're gone for good or if they're just gone from Dixie's army, but yeah, she fired them. Then she went on to fire the entire crowd. It's like, how can you fire paying fans to, to your wrestling event, but she just didn't want to see anyone. She thought it was her building, so she just wanted everyone out of there, and she's just wanting to see King Mo knock out Bully Ray. So at this point, the entire locker room starts flooding out of the back. They all come and surround the ring, and they're all beating on the mat real hard. Everyone's rowdy. The crowd is going wild. Samoa Joe, he's actually out there taking video with his cell phone at ringside. And then Team 3D, Bully Ray and Devon, they jump in the ring. They set up the table right next to the ring post. Bully Ray gets at the top of the ring post. Devon picks Dixie up and sets her up, and then Bully takes her, drives Dixie Carter straight through the table onto the mat. So I've seen Bully Ray do this before, and this looked like it was a fairly nasty bump. Now, Bully Ray is basically a power bomb where Dixie's back is coming and going down through the table and mat, but Bully, he's able to put his legs out, so it cushions some of the blow and takes some of the impact from the table, so that's primarily breaking the table right there, but the bump that Dixie took was really nasty because her back came from that top ring post all the way down to the mat, and you could actually see her bounce back up after her back hit the mat. Now, the story is from TNA that she either broke her neck or broke a couple of bones in her back. I wouldn't doubt it if that really happened. I don't know if they're trying to play that up or not, but it looked really nasty. And I don't know. I I think it was a really interesting move, how they went that way. Never liked to see non-competitors, non-wrestlers get put in harm's way, but apparently Dixie was willing to go through with this, and maybe she thought it would help her company, give them a little bit more momentum, 
but uh, get more viewers tuning in to see this. So I thought it was a gutsy move. Uh, I think it was great that she was able to stand up for her company and do this, but uh, I don't know. Hopefully she'll be back soon. Hopefully she's okay. Don't ever want to see anybody seriously injured. But yeah, hopefully this will put an end to the evil Dixie character for the time being. Uh, this character has been around for, I don't know, months now. So been seeing quite a big, bit of Dixie Carter on the screen. I think she really did help guys like EC3 and Rockstar Spud get over because if Dixie Carter wasn't around, those would just be two guys coming in and no fanfare or anything. So I think she's really helped a couple of guys like that, but I've seen a lot of her on TV lately. So I think it's time for her to take a break, maybe come back in a year, maybe turn a new leaf. I don't know. So now it's time for the ratings. So last week's edition of TNA Impact Wrestling had 1.41 million viewers. So that's back up from the previous week's ratings. The highest rated segments of this show, of course, were the eight-man war and the It Happened segment, Dixie Carter going through the tables. So... Really good for, to see the ratings going back up. And you know TNA has to be thrilled that they're able to get that many viewers uh, with their own guys, with their homegrown talent. they got a few veterans around like Bully Ray, but pretty much it's all their own guys building up their own talent. And they no longer need to go to guys past their prime like Booker T and Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair or Mick Foley and you know those guys they've got to come at a pretty price so you know TNA has got to be thrilled that they can pull that number of viewers using all their homegrown talent so I think they've got momentum they just need to keep up with it and they'll be breaking ratings before too long <laughs> Now on to This Week in TNA History. This week, 10 years ago, there was an X Division title match on Impact Wrestling, and we saw Petey Williams with Scott Moore defeat The Amazing Red. And also in the main event, we saw AJ Styles team up with Jeff Hardy to defeat Abyss and Alex, Alex Shelley with Goldilocks. This week, five years ago, we had the go-home show for Hard Justice. This was back before it was known as Hardcore Justice. It was just another minor pay-per-view called Hard Justice. And on this episode, there was a sit-down uh, interview with Mike Tanay and Bobby Lashley. So this was like right after Bobby Lashley signed on with TNA Impact Wrestling for the first time. And also, Tara defeated Awesome Kong with Raisha Saeed, Angelina Love with Velvet Sky also in the match. So that was a four-way knockouts match. Then we saw Kevin Nash and Mick Foley in the ring for a contract signing for the Legends title match at Hard Justice. And also, Matt Morgan won match number three in the best of three matches against AJ Styles. And at the end 
This episode, Matt Morgan had a confrontation with the main event mafia. Now, Matt Morgan had been trying to get into the main event mafia quite a few times, so him defeating AJ Styles let him go on to hard justice to face Kurt Angle and Sting at the pay-per-view for the World Heavyweight Championship. This week, one year ago on Impact Wrestling, we had the second show from Wichita Falls, Texas. At the beginning of the show, the Aces and Eights, they came out. They ran off Mike Tanae, so we had Jeremy Borash and Taz on commentary. Magnus, Samoa Joe, and AJ Styles, they were the top three in the Bound for Glory series. Jeff Hardy defeated Samoa Joe for seven points. Mr. Anderson defeated Magnus by disqualification for three points because Reed came in and he used a chair on Anderson. And whenever that happens, he did that to take away points from the leader because he was like really behind in the standing. So he was doing anything he could to take away points from the people at the top of the Bountiful Glory series so he could get back into it. And we also saw a Bountiful Glory series match between Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. And they started going at it a little bit, but they're buddies. They're both in bad influence, so... They both walked out of the ring, and they had a double countout. And they also had a confrontation with uh, Bobby Roode because he wanted to join the group or form a new group. And this came on to be known as Ego, the Extraordinary Gentleman's Organization. And in the main event of this episode of Impact, we saw Chris Saban and Kurt Angle defeat Bully Ray and Devon. <laughs> Now on to the news. So I want to start out with the news section uh, with a few corrections to the last edition of TNA Impact Wrestling Analysis. Uh, first thing I said that that the uh, Cradle Suplex was Low Key's finisher. It's not the Cradle Suplex; it's a Cradle Driver. Cradle Suplex is like Fisherman Suplex, so that's a Cradle uh, Driver that uh, is Loki's key crusher. And it's similar to the cradle shock that Chris Saban used to do back in the day. I referred to the Hardy Boys as the Hardy Boys, and I think they're now just known as the Hardys. I think maybe spelt with a Z. Hardy Boys may be copyrighted by the competition. I don't know. So I'll try to use their official name from now on, just the Hardys. And also, I talked about the mystery wrestler that's in the promos. Uh, I said that she was the number four in the 2003 PWI uh, list for women wrestlers. She's number four in the 2013 PWI list of top female wrestlers. Okay, so on toward new news. I want to make one announcement. There's a website that I'm visiting all the time. It's called TNA Mecca. They've recently hit one year uh, of their website of being in existence. So congrats to those guys. It's a really great site if you're a TNA fan. A lot of other people who enjoy TNA are also posting on there. They got... Uh, Many different articles that you can read about the goings on in TNA. They have a pick'em league where you can pick which matches you think which guys are going to win and see who can get the most points. And the part that I like the most, they have a Saturday night chat 
They have thousands of posts in there, a lot of good, interesting conversation going on there. And also there's a post-impact chat as well. So you can give your thoughts on what just happened on impact. In other news, uh, officials from Spike TV were spotted at the recent impact tapings in New York. Supposedly on hand was President Kevin Kay of Spike TV. So I don't buy the story that Spike has been canceled yet. I think they're, as Dixie Carter said in a recent interview, they're still negotiating. So I, I take Dixie Carter for her word that that's what's going on. It sounds like they're negotiating with Spike and maybe some other networks as well. There's been no official announcement yet, but I think TNA will find a home uh, before October hits. And even if they don't find a home before then, there was a time around 2004 that they didn't have either pay-per-view or a television deal. And they just offered all of the matches and the program through their website. So that's not an ideal situation, but I don't think TNA is going away if uh, they don't reach a deal with Spike soon. So we'll just have to stay tuned and see what they work out. In other news, the Bromans were featured in a segment on TMZ. So I thought this was interesting. Some reporter from TMZ spotted them on the street, and they started asking them some questions. And then finally, I believe it was Robbie E. or Jesse, one of them put the reporter in a camel clutch. So it's really funny to watch there. And it's kind of interesting because TMZ was the one that originally reported that Spike had canceled TNA Impact Wrestling. So I guess they might be trying to get back in their good graces. I don't know. But still, that's some good coverage for TNA. And also, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian no longer with TNA, but they're still out there uh, in some interesting TNA-related news. Uh, one thing I would like to mention is uh, they got a comic book out, and I got it in my hand right here. And it's published by Ah Yeah Comics. That's A W Y E A H Comics. So they got they star in their own comic book, and it's a really good read. I never really was into comic books when I was a kid. I might have had like four or five comics, but I wasn't a big comic book collector. But I got this in the mail today. Ordered it online. I think it's like four fifty with initial like five dollars worth of shipping, and that. Money does actually go to shipping because I actually saw the amount on the package. So you can get the whole thing for under $10 probably if you're in the continental United States. But uh, really interesting comic. They start out where they're in real life and they're just in the backstage chatting up like they just had a tough match and everything. And they drink this magical potion. Actually, I believe Kazarian puts the potion and Daniel's apple teeny, so he drinks it, and when he drinks it, they get zapped into the comic book world. So they're hanging out, they go to the gym, they're working out, then they're like, hey, we want to go check out some comics. So they go to the local comic book store in the in this comic world, and they come upon a bear, a cat, and some sort of bug, and there's some misunderstanding. They actually start wrestling with these creatures. There's like a big brawl. Then they f find out, it's like, no, hey guys, we're really on the same team. So they all start working together. But then there's like this big, I don't want to spoil it, but there's this big lobster that they have to fight off. So they successfully defeat the lobster. 
And then at the very end, that potion that they drank to go to the comic world that only lasted for so long. So after that, they got zapped back into the real world. So they got to go back home. So really interesting comic. It's got some great artwork in it. It was, if it, if I read this correctly, it was actually written by Christopher Daniels himself. And there were, the artists are two guys named Balthazar and Franco. So definitely check that out if you're into comics. And also, I got a pretty good deal because they sent two other comics with it. It's Superman, Family Adventures, and Patrick the Wolf Boy. And these are pretty thick comics. So if you like reading these things... A lot of great artwork and stories in these comics here. So really impressed with those. And also, on Monday, the competition on their show, this is something else related to Daniels and Kazarian, they came out and pretty much did an exact replica of the entire saga of what was Claire Lynch. Now, this was a storyline that TNA did, I think it was about two years ago. Now, they started out with AJ Styles secretly meeting with Dixie Carter, and everybody was thinking, oh, they must be having an affair or something. They kind of look like they're hugging, but then it came out that they weren't having an affair, and they were really just getting together to help this woman, apparently she was a drug addict, named Claire Lynch. And this was just like a local actor, maybe one of the actors at Universal Studios. So she came out, and she didn't get a good reaction from the crowd. So they went ahead and continued the story, and they followed it up by having this Claire Lynch character saying that she had AJ Styles' baby. Now, we all know... AJ Styles is happily married, has three kids, so that was a big shocker at the time. But apparently this actor that played Claire Lynch, she didn't like the role, she wanted out of it, so at the end they just had this other actor come out as a lawyer and said, and said hey, basically Daniels and Kazarian were behind this total ruse and it was all made up, so that cleared AJ and and I think it led up to a match between AJ and Daniels, but everyone lived happily ever after. So on the competition's A show this Monday, they had an actor that looked very similar to the Claire Lynch actor, and she said that she was having an affair with one of their top stars, and it's basically like the same thing that played out two years ago. So it was really funny. I was checking my Twitter and I saw Christopher Daniels, he tweeted, hey, we didn't have anything to do with it this time, don't blame us. And then Kazarian followed up, he's like, yeah, we didn't have anything to do with it at all. So I thought that was hilarious there, that they poked a little fun at that skit. And also after the It Happened episode of Impact, there were a lot of interesting memes that were out there. The Impact Wrestling website posted some of these. One of them was, I have 99 problems, and I think a broken back isn't one of them, or something. And just a lot of it, some animated gifs of the whole thing happening. So definitely check that out if you like memes. One of the things I thought was really interesting, that that we finally have conclusion to the whole Evil Dixie Carter. I started thinking back about, why is Dixie Carter so hated? I mean... For some reason, over the last year, she just became really hated. 
And I think it all started with when Jesse Sorensen was fired. Now, Jesse Sorensen was a wrestler for TNA Impact Wrestling. He was in the X Division, wrestled a few matches, but he had one match against Zima Ion, now known as DJZ. Zima Ion came off the top rope, fell onto Jesse Sorensen, and he broke his neck, and he was in the hospital for months. And Dixie Carter came out and said, okay, I feel sorry for you. And there was some issues about the medical bills and all that. But Dixie Carter said, hey, you'll have a job for life. So apparently they put Jesse Sorensen in a backstage role. And he was doing well at it, learning television production. But he just had the wrestling bug. And he had to get back out and wrestle again. And TNA, that were looking out for his safety, said, no, we're not going to let you wrestle again. So apparently Jesse Sorensen left or... As some people might have said, he might have been fired. I don't know. I mean, it depends on who you're asking. So there's a lot of hate. This happened around the same time as Dixie Carter was doing the Ask Dixie uh, hashtag on Twitter where she would take questions from the fan. There was just like an outpouring of hate toward Dixie Carter during this whole thing. And also, since she was getting so much hate by the internet community, she just went ahead and played this character, an evil Dixie Carter character on screen. Now, this started out with a confrontation between herself and AJ Styles. And it looked like she was coming out and going to say, hey, AJ, we really want you still around. But she just turned evil. I was like, yeah, you're just a greedy person. AJ, we don't need you. And, of course, as we know now, AJ Styles is no longer in TNA Wrestling. So everybody's, like, really headed up to Dixie Carter or the character that she plays on television. So I think it's good that we finally got resolution to this evil character so, the latest news about the Impact tapings. Now, they're saying that TNA will be going back to New York City. I'm not sure if this is going to be in the Manhattan Center. I'm assuming it is. But they will be doing, apparently, new tapings in September. Now, whether this will be shown on Spike TV or some other network, that's still yet to be known. And there was also some news that there were a couple of house shows I think in Kansas, that were recently canceled. And I think this might just be a way to make way for these tapings that are going to be in September because they can't have half their talent in Kansas and also just have only half their talent in New York City for the tapings. So there's no word on whether they're going to reschedule those Kansas house shows or not. And in another bit of news... One of the senior directors of TNA Impact has reported that he is leaving. His name is Raphael Mor Morphy, and he, apparently he's going on to take on other uh, endeavors. He was the senior director of live events, and also another person named Jamie Sharp. He was the production chief engineer. Apparently he's leaving T TNA Impact Wrestling as well. And finally, I just want to say that Impact Wrestling put up an interesting video. There's this fan out there. I think he's a 12-year-old kid. And he did, did a great promo for the Impact Review. Gave his thoughts out there. There's a few of these videos out there like this. I definitely recommend checking out all those. They're always good to watch. 
So yeah, everyone tune in to TNA Impact this Thursday. Looks like it's going to be an action-packed show. There's going to be a dream match. It's Team 3D, Bully Ray and Devon taking on the Hardys, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy. We'll also see the six-man tag match with Eric Young, Austin Aries, and Bobby Reed taking on Lashley, MVP, and Kenny King. And also, we're going to see that great four-way Knockouts match for the Knockouts Championship. It's going to be Velvet Sky, Gail Kim, Taryn Carell, and Angelina Love. So again, I appreciate everyone listening to this podcast. I'm having a great time doing these shows. And just stay tuned, and I'll be back in a week.